Hey, Willow. Hey, Jean. <laughs> Good morning. Welcome to a very special episode of Bookstabber. A beautiful, bright new Bookstabber to greet you on this fantastical day. I know, Jean, and I know that you are the creator of Library Comic, and I am the artist of Library Comic, in case anyone's wondering. My name's Willow Payne. And I'm Gene Ambon. What a what a butchered opening. Anyway, we're dying to talk about this book. <laughs> well, 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 we were going to talk about another book by Lynn Carter called Dragon Rouge or Dragon Rogue. I can't quite tell by the spelling. And I, I'm going to apologize. This is a first in Bookstabber history, folks. Get ready. Why, why didn't we read Dragon Rouge? Oh, I could not stand that book. Five pages <laughs> in, I threw it across the room. I, I, oh, my God. I... I kind of don't even want to put it into a free library in my neighborhood because I, it wow, was, it, it was so self-aware. I couldn't, I stand didn't it. even, I didn't even crack it open by the time I got the text from Gene saying, we're not reading this book. <laughs> and, and I had said, I had said, you can't back out. We're now at the point where you can't back out. And then, and then I started it. And then I was like, well, I guess I didn't say I couldn't back out. <laughs> So, uh, we, we've had another big old whoopsie doodle in the year of sword and sorcery because the, the next book that Gene said, well, let's just read this one instead. Well, when I, when I posted, well, it, it's, it's called chess with a dragon and it's by David Gerald and it was written in 1987. And it was so, so I, just as I started to read this book, some nice person on Tumblr, uh, goes by the gray Haven suggested that we we sometime read chess with a dragon and i thought year of sword and sorcery that sounds perfect david gerald the guy who wrote uh, the trouble with tribbles he wrote fantasy that's gonna be great oh man so this is actually a <laughs> uh, a reader recommendation this is actually it is a reader recommendation wow we've gotten like two of them this is incredible we've gotten more than two come on well but, sure um, murder murder bot was one technically and uh, there was one that we didn't read anyway We've got uh, others. We've, we've got others that we've we've uh, f- from from friends of mine and people who listen uh, who know who know us. Uh, but yeah, anyway. So hey, this isn't this isn't fantasy, but it's short, and now we're out of it. Th- is it is not fantasy. It is in fact science fiction. It is science fiction. There. Okay. So and, it, <laughs> and it's a novella, I think technically. But but let, let, let's just say we're going to spoil this book. If you want to go read it, it's very short. It's quite short, and it. I would say. Just, just apropos of nothing, that it's it's very old school. Like, uh, it's kind of the science fiction of ideas, and not so much of, of characters. Though it has a few characters. Yeah, part part of me wants to put up a trigger warning. The the book is just is just weird. You know, there's some there's some unsettling things. If you really don't like the idea of like humans being eaten, that or you know used as uh, as yeah egg carriers for aliens used to incubate grubs uh right yeah yeah there's a lot of that yeah i i i want my friend tim to read it he's a he's a person who's been in my writing group for like 30 years and he and i meet every week and kind of talk about writing more than we we write together but but i told him i said i I want you to know i think i think you're going to be offended by this book (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it, at least in a few places but i but i said it's so it's so interesting for when it was written i i think it's worth reading and it's so short can i can i give the pitch for this book sure i'm fascinated to see what you'll do i don't know how one would pitch this book there's so little content here well this is what i would say so, so there's this thing called the galactic galactic interchange 
and uh, humans have been aware of it for several hundred years, I think, in the like at the time this book takes place. And it's basically, it's basically made up of two thousand species, um, and they've all come together. And the humans think it's like a galactic federation, basically. The, the, the weird thing is, is most of them are reptiles or insects uh, because mammals don't don't evolve to intelligence very often because the reptiles evolve first and and they eat the mammals and the mammals just never have a chance. So most of the species are very, very alien. More on that later. But basically the humans. Um, oh, let's see. How do you explain this? So, I so be- I believe actually one of the characters refers the refers to them as the N words of the universe. Oh, let's get to that later. Let's get to that later. So, another so, trigger warning for folks. Yes. So, so the uh, let's see, the humans are they just think this is a giant library, but they're warned that like there's a fee for everything they take out of the library. They they have access to like all the all the records of all the races that have that exist in the in the interchange and that have ever existed as part of the interchange. There's there's just a ton of records there. And every time the humans come across something interesting, they download it. But they have racked up a huge information debt. And these slug aliens, the uh, the Drugalim, how, do you, how would you pronounce that? Drugalim? These slugs, these slugs are like, hey, hey, pretty soon you're going to you're going to exceed the amount of debt that's allowed and we're going to have to foreclose on you. And then the humans scramble to figure out what that means. And they basically figure out that they've they've been taken advantage of. They're in this giant kind of poker poker match with all these other species. It's not actually a, a government. It's just this giant con game. And they're in the middle of it. And for, but by being foreclosed, they're going to have to take like a contract to be somebody's servants or food or incubators for the eggs because that's what's available. There's all these there's all these different offers that are made uh, to, to the humans for contracts to work off their debt. They could be animals in zoos. Uh, it's kind of horrific. And and the main character is Yake Singe Brown, who is uh, who basically becomes the person trying to work out a way out of this crisis and save humanity. Because uh, the worst thing that will happen is that humanity will just be retired early, which means they'll just be wiped out in the galaxy. So so that's it. Chess with a Dragon comes up later. Uh, <laughs> that's my pitch. It is science fiction of ideas. It is quite funny in places. And it opens with these praying mantises, this, this race called the uh, Kilakan, who are uh, yeah. in, a, in, a, in a game with other Kilakan on a planet that is inhabited by these tree beings called the Funur and uh, some kind of uh, crazy grubs that... Um, eat the Ferner's brains so the Kilakan are there to to uh, keep the grubs in check because the, the grubs eat the brains of the these these plants, which I think are trees, but no, it probably cabbages because cabbages become sentient more often than any other plant, apparently. And uh, so there's this insane game going on involving eggs and sex <laughs> and who's going to get eaten at the end of the game uh, for these mantises. Um, it's kind of fun. I, I like... I like that. I'll say that uh, this opening chapter, I, I had difficulty getting past the opening chapter because it's just nothing but these gibberish words. <laughs> you know, it, it starts with... I, There's no context at all. It's true. There's no context. I've already returned my copy to the library or else I would read aloud a passage just to impart how insane this, this oh book is. Oh my gosh. Where it's just well, it's... like... 
Kakiri said to Gagar, the Hynax, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's just gibberish. It's just pure gibberish, and, you know, every third word is English. The main character's name is K-apostrophe-R-I-K-K-L. Creakle? Right. Creakle? And it wasn't obvious. It was not obvious for a long time when they said, like, every good key, like, K-I apostrophe, I'm sorry, K-I exclamation point, every good key has to flirt the snurb and... It's <laughs> it's the egg sacks. It's the grubs. Right, right. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It 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 it's weird. It, it it's. I mean, but you're you're in an alien point of view, so I think it's forgivable. It was kind of fun for it, me. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't very funny. It wasn't as funny as the next section, like the next chapter. I mean, I mean that establishes that there's something weird going on on this planet. Who knows what's going on? And it, there's no context. And then it goes to the meeting of Yake Singe Brown with the representative. Uh, of the Drugleam, who is very overly polite. It's like a slug in a glass tank blowing frothy green bubbles as he talks. And there's some kind of translator. Do you remember this chapter? Oh, I do. Yeah, because it was also very difficult to read because there's sort of a... (laughs) Well, because there's this unreliable narrator thing going on where this slug monster is talking to the only human character that we have at this point in the book. Mm -hmm. And it's the human keeps saying that there's a translation issue and we're getting some more made up words. And then we're getting words that are sort of in brackets that are like mutilate, disembowel. And it's not obvious. <laughs> the, the, the character keeps saying like, well, these must be incorrect words. The translator is not working. And then, <laughs> but we have no choice, but uh, I had no choice as a reader, but to interpret them as being accurate. And I'm like, okay, so yeah, the, the slugs are going to eat all these people. And then that basically turns out to be true, but it's, yeah, so, so humans are, are now in, in exorbitant debt to the slug, slug people, the Drulim. Right, and, and, and the Drulim are, are explaining, they explain in this chapter that, that their information debt is too high, that they're concerned about it, that they have, that there's a large amount of requests, interest is accruing. They're going to hit their debt limit in 18 months, and then their species will be indentured, whatever that means. So let me so let me explain the formatting of the book to our listeners. <laughs> well, because what it is, is that, so chapter one is an alien poker game with a bunch of giant bugs. I, I don't think they initially get to describe them as uh, praying mantis. We find that out much later in the book. So you're free to just imagine them as just big bugs. They they're constantly rasping their foreclaws if that helps you. And they they talk, about, they talk about polishing polishing their mandibles, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, at, at age 33, I think I know what it means to to rasp a foreclaw, but I I don't want to <laughs> I actually don't want to look it up to figure it out and and to see if that is what that would be anyway so so it starts it's so we start chapter one with this with this alien poker game where they're trading grubs and they're constantly talking about eating each other and sex and all this weird stuff and then I chapter two i love chapter cha- one i have to tell you and then like chapter chap- two chapter one sold me chapter two we find out that earth is is indentured to to the slugs and then chapter three we go back to well, hold, the hold alien on, poker on. game it, it, and, and chapter two, we also like like the slugs are saying they're looking forward to eating and enslaving us. But he's yes. like, is that is that the error? And then and I'm just going to read a quote that I wrote down here uh, with the brackets. So the words in brackets are the ones where he's not sure there's a translation error. I think we would take great brackets condiments to be the kindest of guardians while you are a brackets enslavement is brackets ingested. 
You promise to be the most brackets delicious species. I love that. That was very funny. And Yake Singe Brown, it just kind of it kind of dawns on him <laughs> that this might be actually what's going on. It, it was fun. Right. Anyway, th- this is a long way of saying that it just keeps going back and forth between these scenes, and eventually we figure out that the the bugs, the 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 Kreelaken, Kreelaken, they that they are obsessed with with their what what is it that they call the humans? The, grubs. Grubs. Right, they call, they call them grubs, which is confusing because then they talk about their own eggs hatching, and you would think that their own young would be grubs because they are insects, but I guess not. So, anyway, well, so well they... there is there is no there is no good description of the grubs for a few chapters, and it's kind of right. a surprise that they're humans later, and and that they're supposed to be really dumb. Like the, the right. key, look at them like they're they're incredibly stupid, untrainable, good only for putting their eggs in, and also not even very good for that. I would say that if you were an astute reader, you figure out before they tell you that the grubs are humans just because they're they're so obsessed with them and, and the right. manner in which they're talking about them. It, it sort of wouldn't make any sense for them to be anything other than humans. Well, it's, it's going to be significant. You know that, I would say. I, I don't think you know they're humans, but you, but you know it's going to be significant. Sure. So, and then it just becomes a question of like, are they, is this an event that's happening in the future or is this in the, is this happening simultaneously to... That's true the human drama. Yeah, there's very little context for, for most of this stuff. Uh, and, and the next chapter, it's back to the humans, and uh, Brown goes back to the secretary and says basically, like, we've been played for fools, right? We've been set up. We're, and then, uh, but there's, there's a Russian character, because the Soviet Union is still around, and she is like, we have been trapped by alien imperialists, right? <laughs> like, right. This, and then this Russian says, woman Yake says, is, is just the... She hates everybody else in the sort of inter- interstellar UN. She's constantly, you know, upset oh that everyone else is a is a capitalist imperialist. And, and she hates them until she doesn't suddenly, right? <laughs> I mean, she mostly hates them. I don't know. If you can solve this problem, Leek, bring a ring. <laughs> like it's like terrible. It's like what? It's yeah. It's quite bad. Uh, I, and this I is will where, say this is, where Ye- this is where Yeek says the first offensive thing. You remember what it was? The first incredibly offensive thing. Other than humans are the n-words of the galaxy. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is where he says, uh, pardon my English, but I feel like I've been raped. Do you remember that? Sure, sure. The funny thing is, is that I can see why this book got recommended to us. There's a part of me that really wants to like this book. As I, as I told you, uh, you know, last week when we were both reading it, I, I feel like I would have enjoyed reading this when I was 12. This is the kind of book that I would have read at age 12 and been really into because mm. it's so insane and part of me wants to wants to enjoy that and I, I do like it does remind me a bit of you know William Slater books sort of cranked up to, to 12 a bit right 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 Th- there's a really good young adult novel in here somewhere I think yeah I think that it takes it, it's a little too indulgent in its own like describing alien a- alien stuff just for the sake of describing alien stuff that we we didn't need a lot of that we didn't need that opening chapter i don't think I'm, we could i'm gonna say i'm gonna say i disagree with you i i think the author was having a great time and, and it feels it feels dated but it is dated this book is like what uh how old is this book now willow help me but, out but that's why i call it indulgent the the author having a great time does not equate to the reader having a great time these are not you know universally well, you, you, true things no, no, I, I, I think that's true. But I, I love reading books where the author is having a lot of fun because because it it plays for me 
I mean, not all the time, but but some of the time. And here, I think it does. I think I think those parts are the best parts of this book. They're so they're so hilarious. They're just weird, you know. Um, I like like as as the aliens become a little bit more human because we have to understand what they're up to later. It becomes a little less interesting. But those early chapters where they're just semi unintelligible, it's it's so great. But like as the book goes on, because we have to understand everybody's motivations and how they're all trying to play each other against each other like there are conversations of alien to alien where they just sound like humans right instead of instead of like sounding as kind of incomprehensible as everything is in the in the well, first when chapter do, when do we theme. get conversations between aliens well so so, so let, 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 let's look at the flow of the book for a second so do you mean do you so, mean between the same species or do you mean yes between, between the, like, like yeah when the when the drew when the drew gleam when the drew lem drew leem are talking to it to themselves or when the key are talking to themselves see this is but this is exactly the thing is like i had you know sure you can you can spell d-r-o-u-g-h-l-e-e-m on the page and that's fine like for a writer that's a perfectly fine alien name like the the now the problem is is that this book also includes the rats which is what is it r h slash h t e s which is yeah, just the know. most which is the most insufferable writer mm. writerly thing ever <laughs> I, I i yeah if there's anything going on with the spelling of, of these words i i have entirely missed it i, I don't they, know if this is supposed they to be do some make kind a of phonetic alphabet thing the characters even make a point of being like it's pronounced exactly the same as the word rat that and right, they look exactly right. like rats they're just giant rats well and, then, and later on they're, they're they're all the humans are drinking something called b-h-e-e-r beer which doesn't yeah, taste that's... like beer, but it's the the H is silent, and there's right. different and... kinds of alcohol. Right, it's that like, that drove what? me a little insane. Right, because there's vodka with an H as well, but they they all complain that it's not as good as the original thing. But but it's pronounced exactly like it, and doesn't have a kick. Right. And, yeah. Well, this I, is yeah. another <clears throat> this is another thing. So like the author of the book, David Gerald, I think it, within the the like quotes on the book compares compares this to Douglas Adams. And I think that that's that's a bold claim. It's um, a very bold claim <laughs> because Douglas Adams is actually funny. <laughs> well, I, I I mean I mean the, the the parts the parts that are funny to me are the beginning. Like I said, like 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 when when he, when uh, when when Yake Brown is trying to to make sense of what, what the what the Drulem Drulem are saying, like when the key are just trying to uh, have sex and and eat each other in this in whatever game they're playing with their egg sacks. I don't know. I mean, like, like, like the next chapter after that, after that, after Maja bashes the alien, alien imperialists who have trapped them, they go back to the to the key, and they've eaten a young one. And Curicle is looking forward to mating, and he's talking to this guy Hnax about the value of grubs and some nest that Hnax is a member of. And then we go to this chapter where we see things from the in- intelligent plants that the can Curicle also can t- I t- can I bring up that I think the 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 relationship between the the Kilakan and the human grubs so th- this is a thing that doesn't make sense it, maybe you can explain it to me because okay. in the beginning so okay the the opening I, I apologize for the listener for whom this is going to sound like complete and utter nonsense because it is <laughs> because okay so the opening is this poker game and yeah. and our our point of view character Krilken, Krikrikle, or whatever his name is, 
Yep. Crickle Crickle wins this poker game because he cheats by with his trained grub. He's got a human that we later find out is probably is is a feral human that he trained to, you know, cheat for him in this poker game. Mm-hmm. And so the Hanax, the sort of elder mantis or whatever if you want to, he's he's got cameras set up so he catches Crickle cheating and then right, takes him right. aside and is like I, I know that you're cheating. However, I applaud you cheating. That was the that was the point. We knew you were going to cheat, and it was because you did so so successfully. If we didn't have cameras up, we never would have caught you. But now that we know that you've cheated, what we really want to know is how did you? Why is your grub intelligent? This is very important that we that how did we you know train this. the grub? And and if you if we like your answer, you you get to join our our mating nest. You you our get nest. to be in our cluster or whatever. You get to mate with Ur. <laughs> so, so Crickle, it takes a lot of time to get this information out of Crickle, way more than it needs to. But Crickle says over and over that he just trained the grub. That grubs are dumb, but he but he trained it. And we know that grubs are humans at this point. Or at least no, no, we no, 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 we still don't. And I, I think we shouldn't. It, the book doesn't make it explicit. However, I, I knew at this point, I, I, I knew by virtue of... <laughs> All right. So anyway, Crickle says that he just trained the grub and uh, Hanax keeps being like, are you sure? Is that all? And Crickle's like, yep. And he's like, okay, good enough. And then he kills Crickle and they all eat him. And which they also point out he he tastes right. deli- delicious. Oh my God. And my favorite, my favorite scene that comes, this comes a few chapters later. And then while they're eating him, this guy, th- th- one of the mantis is named Old Yilber. <laughs> Y-L-L apostrophe B-R leaps out of the table and tries to mount what's left of mount tries to attempts to mount what's left of Crickle's body, which is quote a body demonstration of Northlander mating techniques. So, <laughs> or he may just be overcome by horm- by hormones apparently because that happens so, to old yeah, mantis. It's it's important to know that these mantises are extremely horny all the time. Um, <laughs> In ways that are maybe unsavory to everyone, and probably so, what, so, 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 what is your question about the mantis? Well, I don't, I don't well, okay, no. So then, so then, the next thing that happens is that Hanax, having successfully killed and eaten Crickle with his friends mm-hmm. or whatever, with his family. So, 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 so I, have, I, have, I have to say, there's a lot of chapters in between. So, so, you, you are just looking at what happens to the, to the. The key lock well, and the, because because l- l- I think this I think this part of the plot doesn't make a lot of sense. Okay. So so then Hanax goes to his superior or the, I don't know what pronouns any of these mantises yep, yep. use. The Eggmaster. Right. Goes to the Eggmaster, who is apparently a really important figure in this society. With a title like Eggmaster, you'd, you'd have to, right? So the egg ma- the Eggmaster of Gozer. That's all I kept thinking. <laughs> so he goes to the Eggmaster. And confirms that he's killed Crickle and that and that the secret of the grubs is safe. And right. then which and we're like, oh, what's the secret of the grubs? And, what, what and is then the secret of the grubs? Hanak says, uh, I have a theory about the grubs, uh, but I don't want to say anything out of line. And Eggmaster's like, no, I, I compel thee. Go say the thing. And he's like, I think that the grubs are actually extremely intelligent, maybe even, you know, sapient and that there could be we could have more intelligent ones and then i guess so so the secret of the grubs i i guess it, in it, this context is referring to the fact that the the mantises the 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 kilakin they're they're on this planet i don't know if we ever get a name for the planet nope oh, oh no, no, no 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 we we do because the humans know what it is later that's right right 
So, so the human, or sorry, the, so the Kilakin are are they're contracted on this planet for the sentient plants, the Fener, uh, because the Fener hate the what we later learn are humans. The humans are eating the Fener, and right. so the Fener have hired the Kilakin to basically exterminate all of the humans to wipe them out and to use them for food and for you know reproduction. Right, right, right. The, the Kilakin are basically uh, pest control. Right. Right. Uh, but the Kilakin, they are of the opinion that uh, that arrangement is theoretically fine. But they can they they can move this in their favor if they never if they never exterminate all of the grubs, then they can just sort of chill out on this planet forever. Mm-hmm. Are, are they trying to are they trying to exterminate the Fener themselves or well well, well well so so here's here's my my understanding which which is a, I mean I I made notes on this so I'm I'm gonna say this is probably more correct than not but I, I feel like I missed something in this too so I'm gonna try to explain it to you maybe in explaining it it will come clear to me okay so so you're correct like Hanax is like I think these things are smart and the Eggmaster says here's the secret right and then he explains the the past. That basically the the Drugleam found this planet for the Fener, right, to make some money. They promised safety, but there were there were vermin there. And what we find out later is there it was actually a human colony, right? Mm-hmm. But but nobody sees nobody sees mammals as intelligent. They're just vermin. They're they're grubs. They, they are there to be eradicated because mammals are. I think of the two thousand species in the interchange, only thirteen are mammals. So so it's really really small. So so the Fener settled there, but the but the the humans, the grubs, kept eating them. There was like a pest. So the Drulim tried to tried to create symbiosis with the Keylocken. They brought the Keylocken in. They're gonna take care of the 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 Fener. And and there's even a scene where we see that one who gets eaten, we see him kind of pooping or something. Like he digs a hole and takes care of, of one of these cabbage things. <laughs> Like that are not really described, but apparently when they're asleep, they're super vulnerable and they're also conscious. So when the humans eat their brains, when they're asleep, they just like are screaming the whole time and, and unhappy and whatever. And, and so the key lock are supposed to take care, like keep the, keep the grubs in check. And here's, here's kind of what's weird. Like, like if either the Fener or the key lock fails to maintain the obligations to the other, then they come into to possession of the world. So like if the grubs are all gone, the Fener will spread spread into the swarming grounds of the Kilakin and they'll go extinct. But if the if the grubs keep molesting the Fener, they'll go extinct and the Kilakin will get the plan. And and the Kilakin feel like the Fener are actually trying to make them go extinct. Um and and they know that like the the Drulim have have they see like this and they're kind of trying to play it off. Like the Drulim have already offered to sell the Keylock and more grubs in a large number soon. So so they're aware of the the like like uh, when they foreclose on the humans, they're going to have a chance to make money with the Keylock and they're plotting that. But um, Hanax also says that if if the grubs are actually intelligent, it's a huge crime. And and somehow that crime falls on the Keylock and not the Drulim, and so the Keylock will be like liable for uh, indenture and losing freedom, which doesn't make any sense to me in the context of the rest of the book, where everybody is offering all these contracts to the to the humans to become like hosts for the grubs and everything else, right? It, it doesn't it doesn't that part doesn't make any sense. I don't understand why it would be a crime. These all these aliens seem to be taking advantage of and eating each other in the open everywhere. Uh, but that's that's what we're supposed to believe that the that the Kilakin don't want any of this to be revealed, um, and that they've been outplayed by the by the by the Drulim. 
Um, does that make sense? Sure. So, 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 so that's, that, that, I mean, uh, so, well, let's, let's shift now to the human story. So our, our real protagonist. Well, I, I, well, I, I want to say there's, there's an insane chapter, like, like after the last chapter, uh, I discussed, which was, which was the, the key chapter. It's, it's, it's from the point of view of the intelligent plants being <laughs> yes. like, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of in the form of bad poetry almost. Right. And it's all in, poetry. In, in, in my book, it was all in italics. Mm-hmm. Uh, like about having having their brains scraped out, scraped out. Whether like about sensing the others who are having their brains scraped out while they're dreaming, they're all connected. The, the groves are overrun, and there's this terrible line: "Abandon home, all you who have grown here." <laughs> it was heinous. And then we finally get to dragons. It goes back to the humans. We finally get to dragons because um, people the people are or not the people different species are offering humans contracts to help with their debt. And one of the one of the first contracts they discuss is that the dragons have offered to buy millions millions of live humans and offer to like a certain percentage for shipping, but they have to be live. And and this is when the humans kind of realize that they probably want to eat them because the dragons prefer their prey live. They look at the other contracts and they say, well, a lot of people want larval incubators, or we could send people to zoos and tourist facilities. And there are some some parasites that are like bacteria or viruses that want to test for biological compatibility with humans it looks grim this is where the the end words of the galaxy uh quote comes out but there's a really interesting part where where um i think uh yake maybe it's yake or, or the ambassador also uh they compare um they compare the humans to uh the ukrainians in the cosmic <laughs> cosmic politburo which i thought was was hilarious given what's happening right now but but they decide that essentially they can't they can't take any of these contracts because they can't be like guinea pigs or food or zoo animals, right? They have to they have to find a way to get respect, and then we get back to uh, the end of Crickle, where where he just he he's talking about the grubs, but he's talking about humans as just not much more than warm bags of salt and ichor, which I really liked. Um, and they just this, they, they they say we're vermin, and then there's an ad hoc committee formed by the humans, and and Yake and Maja are on it, and they're kind of trying to find a solution, and they want that solution to include revenge. And then we get to the the thing we just talked about where Hanax talks to the Eggmaster. After that, Yake decides the only thing he can do is, is to make an appointment with the dragon. Like every species has an oracle, like someone that people go consult for advice. And Yake decides he's going to go consult uh, the dragon, um, who is the most expensive person to consult for advice, the most expensive being. Uh, the dragon's races are called Tyrannian, which is silly. <laughs> so Yake is promoted... Uh, there's there's the phrase never play chess with a dragon because the dragons will eat you they they they, they eat the loser um, and the dragons we find out I thought this was funny they call the humans uh, presumptuous food the presumptuous food that's very funny and and there's a conversation with this giant dragon who is a dragon looks like a dragon talks like a dragon acts like a dragon Yake basically find cannot find cannot afford the answer to what the solution is but finds out there is a solution that there's a way to make things difficult for the Drulim who are trying to make things difficult for the human. And so knowing that kind of pushes Yake to explore the possibilities later. And then now they're drinking beer, and then they find out about the rats. And the rats are exactly what you'd think. They're kind of like Jawas to me. They look like rats. They they smell like rats. They smell like old cheese. They are sinister. They are chest high. And what I love about the rats, Willow, I don't know if you, if you identified with this, but the rats are basically the effective librarians of the galaxy, of the interchange. The librarians are... Um, they are information specialists. Like, well, much like uh, much like the librarians in our comic strip, they're they're so rude. 
<laughs> they're vermin, of course. <laughs> they're just con- like their whole thing is they're they're into this sort of insult uh, comedy respect. You, yeah, you, know yeah, you get you, you get rats respect by by insulting them by calling them vermin. Yeah, right. <laughs> It's very the, 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 thing, the, the thing as a librarian that bothers me about this is so the rats so so yake goes back to the humans and he's he has to explain this thing to them that should have been obvious that i mean the whole thing's a pyramid scheme it's like a crooked monopoly game and they they were wrong about it being a government they were wrong about it being a library they were wrong about everything in fact it's not a library because nothing is cataloged everything is just out there there's like so many records that it's it's insane they they couldn't even have downloaded an index in the hundreds of years they've had access like 167 years they've had access to it which they should have noticed you, you don't use a library and not notice that everything is poorly indexed right that you can't find stuff it's insane though it's just so stupid it's so dumb but the rats specialty is they find the information that other species not that they not not that's useful but that like other species don't want to uh, indenture them because as they're being retired or, or taken out of the game, they might let spill some nugget of information that nobody wants known. And then the, uh, the humans go to investigate, uh, I think it's the Fener, but we don't, we don't know it's the Fener. These walking plants are looking for a gardener. It's one of the only contracts the humans are like, well, maybe we could do that or not, like, like get some of our debt down. And so that's where we find the Kilakan look like mantises. They've failed as the gardeners. But when the humans go into the room with the Fener representatives, they freeze. Not, they don't just freeze, they burn the whole negotiating team. And so the humans are like, why did they do that? Well, it turns out they do that because humans are the grubs, right? Now it's, now it's obvious. So, so now we're kind of into the final, how's this going to resolve, right? Are the humans going to find the solution? Well, probably, because it's a human book, right? But then there's this conversation that the Drulim are talking to the other Drulim, and they're like, well, the rats have been paid to tell us nothing. And the dragon is clearly employing the rats. I don't understand that. Uh... I think the relationship between the rats and the dragons is that... So so the rats are information brokers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically, they, they seem like they're manipulators, but they're also pawns of the master manipulators, which are the dragons. Mm-hmm. The, the, the dragons are sort of the kingpins of the, of the universe, right? Maybe, but I don't see how the dragons benefit by any of this. Well, because the rats feed them information, and and the dragons keep the the dragons keep the rats happy, and vice versa. It's sort of a. I mean, maybe I'm reading into it. Maybe that's not explicitly in the text, but I. I, I think that's interesting. It's an interesting theory. I like that. I mean, I mean, basically, basically the Drulim. Well, they know the Terrans have seen the dragon. They didn't expect mammals to be intelligent. There's another chapter with the Fener. I cannot figure out why that's there. Then the Kilak and we go back to them and they're like freaked out because the rats are, rats are representing the humans now and the, the grubs are intelligent. And the rats have offered the Kilakans a strange thing. Uh, they can lease humans, right? They can lease humans, but they can't eat them and they can't use them for breeding, but they can train them to do anything they want. And the Kilakan are like, well, that's better than nothing. And then we go back and we find out that is the human ploy with the rats. Right. Do you remember the, do you remember the solution to this? It's so strange. Oh, the, oh, the planet is, it's, it's the Nineveh colony, N-I-N-E-V-A, Nineveh colony. I believe colony. it, I think it's pronounced Nineveh. <laughs> well, that's, isn't that a skincare product? <laughs> well, it's a biblical name. Is it? Oh, okay. Yeah. My understanding of the relationship is that, so the humans figure out that the, the lost Nineveh colony is on this planet and that they're being exploited there by the, the Kilakin, the, and the Fener want them gone. So, right. So they talk to the rats because they can't really... They, I think Yake realizes that if 
they sort of advocate for themselves it's going to look weird but if they make it seem as they're being exploited by the rats then that sort of it it, it cover it covers the deception that the humans are actually doing right some so, somehow well because because the rats are an established party in the galaxy like everyone already knows about the rats but the humans are sort of weird and but so if it seems that the humans are being exploited by the rats then everyone's like oh okay then then humans are chumps i can then good we we like chumps. i guess i guess but, 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 as, but the rats also want to be exploited by the humans for their own benefit somehow it's very strange well that's but that's their racket is that they they willingly indenture themselves to species to to spy on them they're spies right mm, mm-hmm so anyway, okay. okay, so so they, they make a deal with the rats, and I don't really know what the rats are getting in exchange for this other than they just think it's cool. So the rats are brokering this deal uh, between both, between humans and the Kilakin and the humans and the Fener. So they're playing right. both sides. So for the Kilakin, the Kilakin are no longer allowed to eat or incubate eggs in humans, uh, right. but, they can, but they can train them to... Uh, kill Fener, I think is the idea. Right. And and, 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 and the and the Fener are also paying humans to retard the breeding of the key, right? Somehow at the same time. Right, exactly. Because so there's a there this is information that is brought later in and I guess you could have inferred this earlier, but so the idea is that if Key Lachen can no longer reproduce via human incubators, uh, they do have a secondary species that they use. However, uh, as Yake Sing Brown finds out, like off screen, that species is extremely uh, vulnerable to either measles or pneumonia, and they're measles, like, "We can measles," and so yeah. he and and he makes a joke about like, "And we'll definitely all be vaccinated." Wink, wink. Oh, it's terrible, right? It's so offensive. It's like, oh well, who cares? We're just going to burn everybody else down. Okay. Well, I mean, that's that's it's a very brutal sort of look at the universe that genocide is. So literally. The solution, I think, is that humans are going to exterminate both the Fenir and the Kilakin simultaneously, and that they just get the planet back. And, right, and, and the, the and the rats get custody of all the humans on the planet, so they can't be, and none of them can be killed or exploited anymore. But but what what I don't understand is like like so the Drew they had they had to make a deposit for the right of soul acquisition with the interchange and they lose that and it gets credited to the against the debt of the humans okay that's fine so the the drew the drew Leem are going to go into early retirement which means they're going to be wiped out right i guess so yeah but but the whole but the whole thing that came up earlier where the where the kilakin were worried about oh well we're going to be in real trouble if anybody finds out we've been exploiting these intelligent things that never comes into play here at all like nobody cares right so so, so i'm i'm so confused about that well, I think at one point, I think there is a mention of that, that Yake says something to the effect of that if, if the Kilakin were to expose any part of the of the human subterfuge against them, they would be outing themselves out as having, you know, committed a war crime, right? And that would something. also be bad for them. We, this is There's a lot we don't know in this story about, like, who enforces these sort of interplanetary laws. Like, we don't, we just don't know. Well, yeah, 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 because it's not a government, right? It's a, it's a, it's a shell game. So I guess there's agreements, but, and it's very, it's very like explaining at the end. But, but I think you're right. Like, there's a lot you have to just kind of go. Well, I guess that makes enough sense. It's mentioned so. early on that humans cannot, could, couldn't possibly hope to, you know, win a war against the Drulim, 
which I think is part of the like, well, we have to go along with their sort of debt thing. But also in a in a situation, if we were being realists about this, given how brutal their sort of game of diplomacy is, if if uh, there are species that just have, you know, overwhelming force on their side, why would why would any of these species begin with credit to their name? Like, (laughs) right. Why wouldn't they have just conquered the humans? Well, it it, it doesn't. It doesn't make much sense. And there's supposed to be like 4,000 more species that can't afford to join the interchange. So that, that doesn't make yeah. much sense to me. And, and like, 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 it's like nobody can, like, there's, it's supposed to be a con game that's bad for everybody. But right. even the people who are in it, but they can't pull themselves out because they're worried they'll be worse off, which I don't understand. It's also pointed out that there's just like trillions of sentient, sapient life forms that you know, have reached interstellar status and gone extinct. So it's it's kind of silly by the end. Well, not trillions, thousands, thousands. I well, mean, it's, it's well 10, but they talk about the, the, that with the interchange is that there's, there was so much information and that most of the information that humanity actually downloaded had long since been like completely obsolete that they had downloaded like the artistic records of species that were no longer alive, right? Well, right, right. Just all this like every, stuff. Every, every, everything's out there. And the, the bad thing the humans did was like, oh, this looks interesting. We'll look at that later, right? And they, right. they kind of never did. Um, and then that, but by the end of it, it was determined that that information actually, not only statistically, couldn't even be useful. That the odds that any of it would be up to date enough that, or be about species that are alive still, statistically unlikely. I want to I want to follow up just for like where, where the rats are the librarians of the interchange make it all useful and then they profit from that and the librarians win Willow the librarians I think win. you're I think you're stretching that they're librarians I mean they're spy masters I think that's... there's a giant space card catalog Willow come on I know like... that's what you want listen if I had a dollar for every one of these books that somehow lauded the library <laughs> I would be rich but these are these are cheese smelling like. <laughs> you know chest high grotesque like black cloak like like, like they, they've all gotten together and and their mm-hmm. uh their one outfit is the black cloak right and their beady glowing red eyes that's why they're jawas do we ever see do we ever see a jawa with no with no hood on i don't think so either i think fans would riot what if <laughs> what would be the funniest thing for a jawa to look like underneath the cloak if it was just just a tiny man if it was just like a tiny no. little uh john f kennedy like like, like... <laughs> <laughs> it, like a vole if they look like a vole i think that'd be kind of cool but that's that's expected so what would it look like huh who knows maybe they're made of void stuff so i think we've pretty much we, we've i think we have exhausted all there because there's not that much there to be found in <laughs> chess with a dragon well no i think there's a i think there's a I, there's a lot I, I like this length of story i like i know you love the novella look the no, novella is great the best thing about this book is probably its length no, I, just, I, 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 I like the inexplicability of the early chapters. I like I like the switching point of view. I kind of wish it had been more consistent. Like I, I, I could have. Look, I'll say this: I don't hate this book. I think it's I think it's fine. I I think it's hard. I think it's hard to get into. It, mm. it it took me like two days to read this book, but the first day was kind of pulling teeth. The second day was fine. I, I yeah, but I think it, it wasn't it wasn't uncompelling. I like I like the writing. Um, I think it's cleverly laid out. I, like I, I think the more modern version of this would be way longer with way more explanation, and and I don't, I don't want that. 
like I, I really like the and I, I really like those chapters that have very little explanation. I like the point of view chapters of the societies. I, I would love more of that. I want more Fenur. I want more dragons. You know, I, I want like I, I would love this book without the humans at all in it. It'd mm-hmm. be interesting, like without the human point of view. I, 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 I like I would love to read that version of this i don't know it makes me i mean i read the man who folded himself which is gerald's uh other most famous long work and i remember enjoying that back when i read it i don't remember a lot of details about it and this this makes me want to read a bit more of his work i know he wrote a book about kind of writing and producing the episode the trouble with tribbles so maybe i'll read that next i'll put certainly put it on my list yeah i i find it i find it a bit compelling in a strange way like as far as the kind of science fiction of ideas goes uh like i think this reads somewhere between that science fiction of ideas and a uh, teleplay like i can yep. see like if, if if these were lines of dialogue somebody could deliver them in a very star trekky kind of way right oh absolutely mm-hmm. it would function better as dialogue in a in a comic which gerald wrote uh, quite a few of i think it's no or... surprising that this that this book was written by an og star trek writer right 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 there's a great there's a great star trek episode in this somewhere you know right i don't uh, know how you would adapt it to star trek uh, but you could you could find a way and it would uh, that's the thing i think it would probably be better if it were mr data pl- please tell me about this library well captain the library is a fucked up mess well it's og star trek there the, your data is named mr spock oh no, no i want it to be a next gen- i want to be a, i want it to be a next generation episode sorry well okay you know there's no accounting for taste um <laughs> picard season three forever have you, have you watched that yet of course not <laughs> i've seen the first two episodes of picard season one and my review is that that show is very dumb and i didn't want to watch it <laughs> i will say season three doesn't get smarter <laughs> but it was fun so yeah i i wasn't into i was not into picard i don't i don't care i will say that Old Wharf makes season three worth worthwhile to me. Since our last recording, I finished the V.E. Schwab book. Uh, the Addie LaRue book? Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. Yeah, so having having now read the book in its totality, I apologize to uh, the listener who suggested that, that it's taken me so long. That audiobook's like 20 hours long. Wow. Yeah, really, for real. And and that's, that's probably my review is, dang, that book's too long for... <laughs> I liked the beginning of it a lot more than I liked the end of it. By the end of it, it just made me think of um, the Sandman storyline where Hob Gadling has immortality and meets with Dream every, yeah, you yeah. know, hundred mm-hmm. years or whatever it is. Th- doesn't doesn't Eddie LaRue fall in love with a guy who works in a bookstore? I'm trying to remember the book. Yeah, he. that's almost exactly what happens. Falls in love with the guy at the bookstore who is who is also made like a warlock pact. I guess this is a huge spoiler if you were going to read that book. Sorry. Oh Spoiler right, alert. right, right. Spoiler alert. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't remember what the conflict is, but that that reminds me what it was, right? Yeah, yeah, now I remember. Anyway, without uh, uh so trying not to spoil it. I get, well, I guess I can't. I there's no way not to spoil it. Anyway, my review of it is is that it's okay. I I think it's I think it really really could have been edited down because there's just so much and by the end of it I felt I, f- I felt like I had been sold a little bit of a false bill of goods in that the the narration present in the beginning of the book tells you that the characters relationships are one thing and by the end of the book you're like oh actually they're extremely different and given how long the book is it it feels like the author changed their mind halfway through about what was going on and Mm. didn't look that's my opinion don't take my word for it but um, (laughs) go read it yourself i think you would like schwab's kind of high fantasy 
better than that book. Like if I was going to tell you to read something, I would say, and I probably said this before, you should read A Darker Shade of Magic, which is the first of the Shades of Magic books. They're much more the type of thing you like. Or like Schwab's uh, kids book series, uh, City of Ghosts. I, I read City of Ghosts. It's pretty good. I really enjoyed it. Well, you you say it's more the thing I like now. It's entirely possible. However, having having known your recommendations to me for the past three years on this podcast, I am extremely <laughs> extremely skeptical. Well, I, w- I would say this. I would say this about 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 um, those books. They are they are more Gaiman esque than uh, the Invisible Life of Addie Larue. Mm, okay. Like 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 I I, w- I would I would suggest those books to people who like Gaiman's Gaiman's work. Um, particularly like 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 the City of Ghosts is it reminds me of both Coraline and the Graveyard Book. I I will this this will be a thing. Now Neil Gaiman is my favorite living author, but I will say I do not I do not care for the Graveyard Book. Not not a really? fan. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh. I can't oh. I can't get into it. It's really slow and uninteresting to me. That's, I think that's actually my favorite book of his. Isn't that strange? I And based on what I just said, I <laughs> don't know that I'm How surprised. could you not love that book? That book is so weird. It's it's the weirdest kid's book. I, I don't mean, like, think it's, it's, it's that it's, weird. I think it starts it's... with a murder of all the kid's family. And then a serial killer stalks the kid throughout the entire book. And he's protected by monsters in a graveyard where he lives. It's so weird. Yeah, I don't know. I just I didn't get into it. Oh, it oh, love that book. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I, I love Neil, Neil Gaiman's work. Um, but also... I, you know, he, he's, he doesn't, he doesn't bat a thousand. Like he, he bat, he bats with a higher consistency than any other batter in the league. But, well, I think, I think he's, I think he's writing what he wants to write, which is why he's, he's great. And uh, I think Schwab is writing what she wants to write, which I, which is why I think she's great. And, you know, I, I think this book made Gerald laugh, which, which is great. You know, I mean, like, sure. like the parts of it, the parts where, where Gerald was making himself laugh, I think are the best parts of this book. You can tell where they are. Right. And then it just kind of, it kind of rushes toward this explainy ending, but yeah, I don't know. If, if that's your rubric, then like th- th- this makes the, you enjoy books more than I do. Generally speaking, you find more that you like to read. So, you know, this, this checks out. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Well, I guess we should uh, we should end this episode and then we should try to decide what we're going to read next because we don't have an next book yet. <laughs> so. Yeah, I we need to do some quick math on where we are in the quote unquote year of sword and sorcery. We're about halfway through. It's very exciting. It has been shambles. <laughs> no, 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 it's not shambles. We're going to figure it out. I got I got a list. I got a list. We'll pull from that list. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for joining us for this episode of Bookstabber. Uh, if you have a suggestion of what we should read. I've, I've been Willow Payne. Uh, I've been Gene Ambon, but contact us at uh, bookstabberpodcast at gmail.com. Oh, and www.huntedskull is back online. It went offline for a while because Ooh. I got hacked and that sucks, but it's, yep, it's it readable suck. now, even if there hasn't been a new comic in like five months. So whatever, go, go read it again or don't. Okay. I don't care. <laughs> All right. See you in three weeks or so. Later. Keep stabbing. Keep stabbing.